Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Welcome to Culture Bites. My name is Dominic Gawley, and I'm joined by Jess Keft. Hey, Jess. Hey, thanks for having me. So we're going over all the conference presentations. I know you are the key organizer putting it all together this year. Amazing job. Well done. Thank you very much. I also have to say thanks to the team as well. I can't just do it by myself. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so yeah, I've got a great team helping me with conference. Yeah, it's kind of all hands to deck. It's our big event for the year. We get, um, you know, it's a few thousand people kind of turning out for it. So it's um, it's pretty pretty amazing. I uh, it's always energizing, right? We all, uh, everyone has to get involved and uh, do their bit. Yeah, it's a great event for even just our team. Yeah, everyone's always there helping out. And it's just a bit chaotic, but at the end, you're just like, oh, it all comes it. together somehow. Yeah, exactly right. Um, and it's a great event for our community as well. And part of the reason we put it on is to, um, to get people together, to get people involved. And what I love is there's a great mix of, you know, people who have been, using us and, and know human synergistics intimately. They've been using us for a decade plus. And other people, it's maybe their first time hearing about us. And the presentation we're talking about today is, is Catching Waves by Corinne Cantor and Rob Phipps. And so they've been on the podcast previously talking about it and sort of why they did it and so on. This is their actual presentation from the conference. And what I like about this, this whole theme, so they've written a white paper on catching waves, it's an analogy for doing culture change work. And the thing I like about it is that it's memorable. It's easy. It's like, what are the practical things to actually making a culture change for working on this kind of stuff? How do you do it? Yeah. And setting up the steps as well. I won't give too much away about their metaphor, but uh, just having those steps in place of where do you go? Yeah. Because I think that's often people's first question, like culture, I, I get the importance of it. But how do I do it? What do I do? And so it's answering a bit of that question. All right. Well, without further delay, let's uh, hear from Corinne and Rob. Are we feeling a little bit tense after that? <laughs> we are. When you think about it, the word culture really hasn't been used quite as much as recent times. Brexit? Brexit, even after yesterday, right? <laughs> Walls, sandpaper, gate, locally. And then we've got that little thing called a couple of royal commissions going on. Is this actually a new phenomenon or is the press just reporting it more? We would actually submit that at this thing called culture has been bubbling around for quite a long time. The question is why? Simply put, it's confusing. It's mercurial. It's difficult to actually step into the usual corporate cycle. How hard is it just to get everybody to agree on a very, very simple definition of what culture is? Add to that, it's actually very, very complicated. Step into your usual life. I don't know what yours is like. Yeah? You're about to go to a meeting. You're probably running a little bit late. You join that meeting. There are nine other people in that meeting, which makes 10 in the room. Each and every one of those 10 people actually experience something quite different to the other. Yeah? So the felt experience of culture, 10 different ones, just for one hour. Then you're a little bit late to the next meeting and you've got nine more people. They're different people with yourself, 10 more experiences. If you actually extend that logic out to your working life, it's incredibly mind-boggling. So what do you do? How do you measure? How do you make an impact? 
It's all about leadership, isn't it? Or is it? There can be people in that journey, even when you're making the best efforts on culture, that are experiencing something different all the time because we humans are actually quite complicated. And if you really, really want to do something about it that's meaningful, it actually takes time. It takes significantly longer than most of us think. There are no silver bullets in terms of getting things done. There's no switches we can switch. And as I said, it can't become compartmentalized into the normal rhythm of most organizations. Now, what CEO or board actually wants to hear that? Yeah? And who can blame them? They've actually got shareholders, they've got boards knocking at the door saying, we've got to get our quarterly results, we've got to get our half-yearly results, we've got to get our yearly results. They need a return. So it's confusing on one hand, it's complicated on the other, but if you believe the press and what we kind of know to be true, it actually needs our urgent attention. Because of its nature, Corinne and I felt the most important thing to explain it was actually to use a metaphor. And as you can see, the metaphor that we chose was the ocean. Why did we choose the ocean? Well, it's, it's always there, it's ever present. It's actually very, very hard to control, but it does need to be kept clean and needs to be nurtured with care and diligence. When the tide is right, you can get on a wave, positive performance. Everybody shares it, not just a few people. It can actually be quite scary, but beautiful at the same time. There's a connection that exists between all the inhabitants of the ocean. And there are multiple species of all different shapes of sizes that exist. So when you're thinking about organizational culture, we encourage you to start thinking about the ocean. So we're here today to provoke a little bit of thought in the way that you think about culture, but actually a little bit of action as well. We've written a paper, the paper's called Catching Waves. And I guess from my perspective, all the conversations that I seem to have these days around, around business involve this word culture. I've been fortunate to actually spend a lot of time in different parts of Australia and also different parts of the world. My passion is to try and help people get to something on culture faster and learn from the experiences that I have. When I see organisations get culture right, I see them get to performance in a more long-lasting, sustainable way, not short-term. And I also see them get through the inevitable bumps in performance faster and with a lot less fallout. It's impossible for oceans not to exist. They cover about 70% of our world and they're ever-flowing, they're ebbing and flowing and they're a powerful resource. And they're there whether we're paying attention to them or not. And culture's much like that. It is impossible for an organisation not to have a culture, regardless of how big or small or what industry it's in. And what I know to be true after nearly 30 years of working in an organisation or with an organisation is that when you get culture right, it is a powerful influence and creates a massive value. It's the gift that keeps on giving. It is a benefit to your people, your clients, your stakeholders and your shareholders. I also know that like any worthwhile endeavour, it takes some time, energy and effort and it's not for the faint-hearted, it's not for the dabblers and it's not for the people who want a quick fix. You need a plan, you need some discipline and you need a good dollop of courage. But it is possible to work on it and in a year like this year where we've had so much intense spotlight on culture being both the problem and the solution, I know that people want to work on culture 
We know that we need to work on culture and yet sometimes we stall at action because it seems like this amorphous concept that seems hard to tackle. And so I also think that there's a lot of wonderful stuff out there in the market, but sometimes it's a bit like the flotsam and jetsam you see on the ocean, sparkling on the top and you get closer and it's a, it's a bit of rubbish. So what we wanted to do in our paper is to, I guess, bust some myths around working with culture, but also to share our learning around how to work with culture, how to start, what are some of the hallmarks that we think create successful cultural change? Because it, it's not an event. It's not something that you do once like a program. It's something that you need to attend to regularly. And if you do that, then it creates some benefits. So let's start. What we wanted to do is create a bit of a felt experience. So let's, at the beginning of the culture change, just say that I am wanting to create culture change or culture work for us. Let's imagine that we're all part of an organisation and let's call that organisation Awesome Inc. Except it's a little bit awesome not at <laughs> the moment. So we've got about a 1,000 people in our organisation and our business has been facing some headwinds and some tough sets of waves. We've got competitors that are eroding our margin and putting some pressure on our costs. We've got disruptors actually bypassing our traditional model of doing business. We've got ways of working and systems that are a little bit outdated. And we've got silos in the organisation. So what was once our secret source in terms of depth of expertise is now getting in the way of delivering solutions to the client as one team. I'm just going to pause there for a second. Hands up if that sounds familiar in any way, shape or form. Yeah, okay. Very familiar. And isn't it interesting that I haven't actually mentioned what industry we're in? Okay. So these are the common issues that every organisation's facing. So let's pretend that we are Awesome Inked, we're the employees in Awesome Inked, and I'm going to be the change agent. Part of my job is to get you to want to change. So let me ask you this. As an employee of Awesome Inc., in that context, I want you to think of the one thing in one word that is really important to you right now, one thing, one word, and I'd like you to turn to the person beside you and share what that one thing, one word is. Go. Did I mention one word? Um, okay, so let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Hands up if you had exactly the same word. Okay, not very many. Okay, so right from the get-go, I'm challenged because I've got a 1,000 people in my organisation. We need to change our culture and I've got the same 1,000 people each holding a different view of the world, having a different need, valuing different things. So at the beginning of the journey, before you do any work, you need to read the conditions. And what do we mean by that? Surfers don't just jump in the waves. They listen to the weather report, they show up at the beach and they verify their intel. We're going to have to do the same thing. 
So there are three things that we're going to do at the beginning of our journey. The first thing is, is know our why, okay? If I'm going to convince you to want to change, I don't want you to do it because I'm telling you to do it. I would like you to do it because you see the value in doing it. And to do that, I've got to have a very good reason as to why this is important, not just to the organisation, but why you should care about it. If you know your why, you will be able to communicate that. And it's important because the water will get choppy and you'll need to anchor into that from time to time. The second thing that we need to do is to ask, where are we going? We have to look to the horizon and we have to pick a spot to actually understand what does that world look like? What are we doing in that world that we're not doing right now? And what is going to be the benefit of it? People need to know what the direction is. And the third thing that you need to do is actually establish a baseline. You need to understand your starting point. You need to measure your culture because it's only then that then you can clearly see the distance, how far you're going to have to paddle out in order to get to that future state. And you can mark the boys along the way to actually help you get there. So read the conditions. Once you've read the conditions, you're ready to paddle out. And what happens when we paddle out? Anyone ever paddled out before? Yeah? Either metaphorically or on a surfboard. (laughs) I've tried both. I'm better metaphorically. Um, (laughs) What goes on? It's a little bit of anxiety, isn't there? Is it going to work? If we think about culture change, you know kind of where you're going. You've got a bit of a vision, but there are people in your organisation that may not quite be in the same space yet. So it requires a steely resolve. It requires persistence and it requires bringing yourself back to that vision that Corinne talked about. Bring everybody into the vision. Remind everybody. So there's nothing, no change ever occurs in life without anxiety. So it's time to breathe, take stock, move forward. You've got a plan. When you're surfing, for those that don't surf, I'm sure you know, how many boards do you actually go out on? Just the one. We think it's the same for culture. There's a lot of discussion that goes on, and I can understand why, that talks about safety culture, talks about an inclusive culture, results orientation culture, risk culture. Thank you very much to the APRA review on decision-making in corporates. Yeah, and innovation culture. I'm sure a lot of you have heard that word around your offices these days. We actually think whilst we understand it, it's a little bit distracting. Because our view is there's actually one culture. And what does that culture deliver? That culture should deliver, when it's going well, safe employees. It should deliver an experience where everybody can actually be part of the journey. It should deliver an experience where you are assessing and making decisions on the basis of appropriate risk. It should be an experience where everybody's got the right to have a good idea and see how to get it tested out. Yeah. And it should be an experience where you're getting results. So from our point of view, there's really only one culture. Environments change, structures change, the culture's consistent. So I hope you understand this particular slide. It almost speaks for itself. As you're embarking on culture change, and even when you're paddling out, you're going against the waves. Same thing with this culture change stuff. Yeah? The force of your culture change has got to be stronger than some of the forces that are existing in your organization. 
the old culture will hang on perhaps for a little bit longer. And why shouldn't it? You've got a whole bunch of people that might have been invested in that culture for long periods of time. So when you're considering the way in which you paddle out, you need to consider that your energy needs to be higher than the energy being pushed the other way. And in addition, the energy might be coming from different spots or different parts. Yep. Again, clarity of vision and patience will be your friend. Lastly, and certainly not the least, is have a look in the mirror. It's you paddling out. You are the one that needs to get over the waves. So you need to check yourself. Who's ever started a change in any, in their life and thought, well, actually, I need to get everybody else to change. I'm fine. I have. <laughs> check yourself. If you can't participate in the change that you're expecting your organization to undergo, then I think you're a little bit naive. Gandhi said it. You've got to be the change that you want to see. So we've paddled out and now we need to catch a wave. We need to ride it. And they're slightly different skills. You need a line of sight. You have to focus. You've got to get your balance. And that requires some training. So what Rob and I have done, there are a lot of tools and a lot of strategies around how to create culture change. But what we've done is identified nine, nine, what we consider to be hallmarks of every cultural success story tends to have these hallmarks. And so we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about each one. We go into depth in the white paper, which will be available at morning tea. Um, but we'll start with leadership. Leadership shapes culture. Culture shapes leadership. They both drive performance. Now, we totally implicitly accept that because it's true. But how is it true? Culture is learnt either by people observing others or by being told, this is what you do, this is what you don't do. And what leaders shape, create the norms and reinforce the norms through how they behave. It's not about your personality. It's about how you are showing up. What is it that you pay attention to? What is it that you ignore and let go? Where do you spend your time? How do you react to mistakes? These are all signals to your people around where they need to put their time, energy and effort. They're watching you, whether you're conscious of it or not, and that's part of the responsibility of leadership. So leadership is very important in creating norms and reinforcing the norms. The second thing is that I'm going to talk about is really common language. We are attempting at Awesome Inc. to shift the culture where a thousand people are experiencing one state and we're trying to move it. So one of the things that's going to help us is to connect through a common language. Language is how we share experiences. It's how we bond. So one of the things about cultural work is we need to create a kinship, a new kinship that allows people to identify with the new future state and to make some powerful connections that help them to want to move there. Storytelling. So we'll, we'll keep in the Awesome Inc. hat. Imagine you're the CEO of Awesome Inc. for just a moment. You stand up in front of yourselves, Awesome Inc., and you tell your story. You tell your life story, the good stuff and the bad stuff. You wrap around that life story the common language that Corinne's talked about. 
what you become when you do that is an immediate beacon for change. Storytelling is so powerful, especially when it's authentic and when it's appropriately timed. And then who does it next? Is it the CFO that stands up and tells their story? The COO. We get to the line. We get to a series of stories being brought to life in an organization wrapped up in common language. We're allowed to show vulnerability now. Renee Brown has taught us that. Thank, thank you very much. Storytelling so powerful. It doesn't happen by itself. People just don't magically learn this language. It needs to be training. There needs to be training. Yeah, so that training needs to happen in a way that touches every part of the employment experience. New people join the organization are going, hang on, what's happening here? Let's train them. You're making a change. You're wanting to get people using a different language, different sets of behaviors. We've got to train them. And the bad news is, in some respects, you can't just do it once and expect it all to work because it's complicated and it's confusing, as we talked about before. The way in which you approach a training plan for your organization helps bring you along the way. Systems. So the culture that you've got right now has been embedded through systems, how you recruit people, how you manage them, how you set goals. So if you're wanting to move to a different culture, you need to shift your systems. They won't create the behavioural change, but they'll certainly reinforce it and they'll certainly keep the organisation stable as people are practising new behaviours. If you don't shift your systems, you will cause friction for your people. They will be hearing one thing from you, but they will be operating to a different system. And so it'll create a mixed message. Culture's all about helping people put their energy, effort and time in the right place. Systems is an important part of doing that as a reinforcement. The other thing is line of sight. So we talked earlier about having a place in the horizon that you're going to. It's important for people's sense of achievement that I can see what I'm doing and how it makes a difference to the big picture. If I can see and self-assess my own development, my own progress towards the bigger picture, it feeds me, it reinforces and gets me to repeat the behaviour. So that line of sight is very important. Everything's going well. There's no skill in life that you learn that doesn't keep going unless you use it. Yeah, whatever way you want to look at it, you need to use the skill that you've learned as much as you possibly can. We call it daily use. And it's something, again, that's a bit hard to sort of pop into normal corporate rhythms. How do I, on a daily basis, reflect on my own behavior, this new language that I've learned? How do I do that as a group? So you're thinking about how you're creating new rituals in your organization every day that reinforces this stuff to keep the change happening. And it doesn't have to be a large half-day, whole-day meeting. It can be 10 minutes. It can be five minutes. It can be little rituals that you create throughout your organization to continue that daily use piece. From my experience, this is one of the most underrated areas in culture change. Balance. You're the engineer, you're the architect, you're the leader of this wonderful change. It's going spectacularly. One of these days, you're going to have to step away from it. You're going to have to balance your ego and say, this is going really well. There are people that are pulling it along. There are people that are pushing it along. I need to step back as the original leader. Because if it's going to last in your organization and you're the only person that's the flag bearer, it'll go away. Yeah. 
So that original project team, that original leader, whoever the people are that start it, need to be able to balance by stepping back and letting it go because if it's one small group, the fire will burn out. And lastly, you have to manage those that are swimming against the tide. So one of the things that every CEO I've spoken to who's created successful cultural change, if I say to them or ask them the question, what's the one thing that you would have done differently? Without question, the one thing they would have done differently is manage the people out who were not coming along on the change, who were white-anting the change, who weren't behaving according to the values. It's not the first thing that you do. You give people clear expectations that are unambiguous about what you expect. You give them coaching. You give them training. You give them support. You give them time. But failing all of that, if they're still undermining the work that you're doing, you need to talk to them and, and help them find a situation that's going to be more aligned to their values, need to help them out of the organisation. It's very important because otherwise your integrity is on the line. This is not just a question about whether the culture work is at issue, it's actually your leader's credibility integrity. If you don't manage people who are not behaving according to your value set, you may as well tell everybody at Awesome don't worry about it, don't listen to me, I'm not actually serious about what I'm saying. So it's something that you don't do lightly, but it is something that you will at some point, you may need to tackle. And we know that a lot of the organisations that are going to share their stories today will share different aspects of some of these hallmarks. So in closing... Catchingwaves.com.au. As I said at the beginning of the presentation, we've written a paper. We've had a lot of fun writing it, but we've, it's actually taken quite a bit of time for us. That paper, the content, can be avail is available to you today, if you like, in hard form, or you can go on to catchingwaves.com.au and you can download it. There's a LinkedIn group that we've started as well that we intend to bring forward in terms of a conversation on culture. So we want to be able to talk about, after this conference and ongoing, what are the things that everybody are experiencing and learning around culture change and how can we all be a part of a conversation that's making the culture of every organisation as good as it possibly can be. And in closing, culture is not about your industry, it's not about your business and it's not about your executive team in isolation. It is, however, about all your people, it's about your customers, it's about your stakeholders, it's actually about the community that you're working in it as well. It's kind of like the ocean. And it's there for everyone. It can't be controlled, but it can be kept clean and it can be kept healthy. Thank you. Thank you. It's a great presentation from Corinne and Rob there. What do you think, Jess? Yeah, another really good one. I love their metaphor of catching waves. You know, everything's constantly moving. It's a wave. It's constantly rolling. Yeah, that's right. And, and you can't necessarily control it, but you can harness it. You know, yeah. you can surf it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and especially the steps that they put in place as well. It makes a lot of sense, you know, read the conditions. You're not going to go out there with your surfboard if there's, you know, huge swells and a massive thunderstorm coming. Um, mm. So I think that's a really good step to start off. Yeah, that's right. And then, you know, paddling out, you know, what I like about it is it's hard to remember all these steps when it's just like kind of generic things about, you know, change management and stuff. I find that hard to remember, but you're thinking about surfing, it just keeps it in mind easier for me, you know, because I think, okay, what would you do? Yeah, I'm going to assess the conditions. I'm going to paddle out. I'm going to 
do all these things. Eventually, I'm going to stand on the wave and ride it, you know? <laughs> so it's just an easier way to, to keep it in mind for me. So with that said, if you want to learn more, you can download the white paper. So we have the white paper on our website, which sets it out in, in more detail. It's, it's really great. You can also catch, uh, check out the catchingwaves.com.au website and sign up for being part of the community and get on the wave. I know they're planning to do a bunch of stuff uh, and engage with that community around what are the what are the common challenges and issues and, and maybe do some masterclasses and stuff. So if you're interested in, in getting on the wave, go to catchingwaves.com.au. There'll be a, a link to that and a link to the show notes from this episode in the podcast notes of this this one. So check it out. Yeah, perfect. Thanks for coming in, Jess. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. This podcast is copyrighted by Human Synergistics Australia, all rights reserved. To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au. Thank you.